Woo! The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, the person that some people call the most interesting anarchist in the world today, is here for you for another little Patreon. And this is going to be a great one. I am really excited about this because I am being joined once again on Sovereign Tech by Brett Vinat of the School Sucks Project. Brett. Great to be here. Yes. Damn right. <laughs> so, uh, and what we're going to talk about here is because this is a, a passion that you and I share. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about fitness. I've had a few people, you know, uh, message me about that uh, because one of the things that that I say a lot is that one of the best ways, really, to avoid the state. In fact, uh, you were recently on an episode of. Um, of sovereign tech, and you you had this great term for yourself. Uh, what was it? Ig- ignorist, uh, ignorist, ignorist. Where where you were like, ignore. The idea is you ignore the state as much as you can in your life. Yes. So, but I think one of the best ways, and I love that, and I think one of the best ways really to 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 get past the state or to get the state out of your life, perhaps, is to outlive it. Mm-hmm. You know, to just and and certainly, you know, when you think about Obamacare and like just the bullshit healthcare system that we're having to deal with in the United States in particular. And obviously it's true in many other parts of the world. Um, you know, if you stay exceptionally healthy, like I, I think that's almost a renegade act against the state, uh, you know, considering how much it gets tied in with healthcare uh, throughout the world. Uh, so fitness is, is just, it's, it's a huge deal. Uh, and, and I don't think people take it serious enough and they don't, I don't think people recognize just how much of an activism it really can be. You know, Indeed. being in great shape. Sure. Uh, even feeling competent to deal with uh, challenges like self-defense. Sure. Know? Absolutely. Uh, or some kind of animal attack. Yeah. When animals attack. When an- when when turkeys attack. You know, animals do attack. <laughs> they do attack. You know, so I think that it is, uh, you know, one segment of many of self-sufficiency. Sure. That's and, a great way you know, to put it. You know, diet is obviously very closely tied in with that, a kind of food, food freedom and health freedom. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we can, I mean, certainly I would tie in, uh, you know, diet with uh, with a lot of what we want to talk about sure. here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people ask me about this all the time. I mean, because I make the statement and you don't have to agree with this, but I make the statement that I genuinely think that at least technologically we are, I think you and I are in a generation that has the absolute potential to never die. Like as in we could live forever. Uh, and part of that is, is that, you know, that the ability could come out within the next 40 years, perhaps. Yes. Uh, that would allow us to live to, say, 150 years. OK. And then once you get to that kind of escape velocity, uh, you know, you could end up, you know, 70 years later, they'd find out, OK, this is how you're going to live for a thousand years or OK. And then after in that thousand years, then you're going to find out, well, this is how we can just keep living, you know, forever. Could I ask you one quick question that Please. has the potential to derail the whole show and Let's also possibly for us to cancel <laughs> our plans even later in the day to pursue this? Um, but I'll try to make it quick. I'll try to make it quick. Go for it. Is is that desirable? Is, is, is ah. eternal is eternal life? That is a, a very broad philosophical question, and it's also fairly subjective. Sure. But I haven't been sold on the desirability of, of eternal life. You know, like once you've done every single thing that technology allows you to do, uh, you know, <laughs> and you're 3,164. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, just... Billions of years to go. Here, yeah. you know? like when you start, I, I I think there's in in the abstract. Yes, it sounds it sounds very desirable because there's all this you know fear fear of death. Sure, but because we lack this perspective, does the day come where you are almost? I mean, this is obviously a trope that's played up in maybe vampire stories. Yeah, sure. Where you're just begging to like, oh my god, there's got to be a way to die. Yeah, please have the sun rise on me now. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So there, there's a, there's a few points to this. It's a great question. And I get asked that as well. Uh, you, you know, is this actually something you want? And now I'll make it a point to maybe either at this point or at the end of the episode, I'll just play the song who wants to live forever by queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, so the first thing is, is that I think it would be interesting to see, you know, there's the, the, the theory, psychological theory of what is it? Is it terror management? Terror management theory, yeah. Yeah, terror management, which is the idea that everything we do is based around the the fear that we're going to die. 
Yeah. Like that's yeah. a very simple way of explaining that. There's a lot more nuance. Uh, and the more in touch with that fear we become, the more it kind of controls our behavior and forces kind of like tribalistic or even nationalistic, um, the desire to procreate. So, so, so more base type human um things that we're compelled to do more by by biology sure right become to come to the fore yeah exactly so i wonder what exactly a generation would look like that doesn't have that as part of the program like it's just gone that's a very interesting yeah and i wonder if then you may finally have you know perhaps an anarchist world or uh, you know some some kind of utopia who knows uh i mean one could argue yeah i i want to i want to try and make the the answer as as quick as i can but one could argue that time is perhaps the only thing of any actual value that is the only thing that has like intrinsic value uh and if time was no longer like a problem um then you know what what does that do to the human condition uh but that that's that's a much broader uh subject to to bring up on on all of that uh as far as is it is it really something desirable um yeah i you know, like you said, it's been a trope in a lot of different things, uh, whether or not it's actually something, you know, that 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 you want uh, to have. Uh, I I I really I feel like there's so much that I, I think if people knew that they could live for a thousand years or two thousand years or whatever, I think that I don't really think much would change. I think the the perception of time would change and that people would spend more time doing the same things that they do. Like, I, I think you would just end up in many ways, you would do the same things that you do right now. Mm-hmm. Just, you would do them for longer. Uh, like you would, you would spend more time, you know, you wouldn't listen to that podcast at 2.8 X. <laughs> right. you know I mean, you'd actually listen to it at one X or something Yeah, like that, that there is, I don't know that you would just, you would fill up, you would fill up that time. I mean, and I can even think of, honestly, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love to game like video games. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. And my steam account has over a thousand games in it. There's no way I could play all those in my lifetime, but I want to play them. You know, that's why I got them. Right. Uh, And you know, I like, I, I just know for the entertainment that exists alone that I want more time, you know, to, to have, to have those experiences and, and to do that. Uh, so I don't, I don't know that there is really that point to where humans are like, all right, I've done everything. And and I'm going to stop. It's interesting. I I just think there's like all kinds of economic implications of it that oh, are yeah. that are interesting because so much of what drives our economy right now is time preference. Yep. Right. What does now mean in a world where your life is forty percent, forty times longer? Sure. You know, like if you lived, if you lived to be two thousand, mm-hmm. you know, you're exceeding the human lifespan by a, a factor of thirty. Right. You know. After you've gone through the first <laughs> of those factors of 30, yeah. like, woo, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But what does now mean to a person, uh, you know, who, who, who has that perspective? Right. Because so much of what we pay for and so much of what, you know, attaches values, value to things is I want it now or I need it soon. Um, I could think of a lot of people who trade time for money. Sure. Uh, you know, unless it involves, you know, some kind of um, physical attribute that that other people or physical de- physically developed skill or even that might not even matter anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've even said in in this world where I have the expectation that I might live to be 70 or 75 that I'll, I'll figure that out. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I can, I'm not going to pay. I can. Yeah. Do that. I'll, I'll just I'll read about that. Sure. Someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end, at the end of it, I think it really comes down to um, I am always for choice. You know, choice yeah. is the very yeah, heart sure. of freedom. And. You know, if somebody want like I think the option should just straight up exist, you know, that that if you want to live for not should is in there should be it should be forced or anything. But just that, you know, if you want to live a thousand years, rock and roll, you, you know, I mean, even if people choose not to or they find out that perhaps that it is to their detriment. Yeah. You know, Edgar Allan Poe obviously wouldn't take advantage of it. But, right, right. Uh, you know, at least have the the option. You know, just like with, uh, you know, the other thing that everybody think has to happen is, you know, taxes. Well, for fuck's sake, give me the option, <laughs> you exactly. know, to not pay it. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm kind of superimposing this this Kurzweil vision. Like, Kurzweil's obviously brilliant, oh, but he's very yeah. naive about matters of state. Yes, you know, literally. And when people start talking about, you know, well, what if we could just be like uploaded into a thing, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, does the state exist in that world? Yeah, right. You know, like... 
I'd want to know that. Like, that better be outlined in the brochure <laughs> yeah, before no. I get uploaded into some kind of thing. Yeah, no, actually, that's a that's a great point to bring up uh, yeah. because that that concerns me about a lot of this like transhumanist technology is that look in a world where there's the state or there's corporatism, you know, to where that and corporations are working together. Yeah, uh, who ultimately controls the switch on right, that? Right, right, right. It's probably not you, you know, and and like yeah, Kurzweil talks about oh we'll just you know we'll replace all our cells with nanobots and. And it'll just be continually self-healing and all this. And it's like, well, who controls those nanobots? Are you going to guarantee me? Is it going to be open source that I can, you know, that I have absolute control of that? I, I get worried about oh, that. God. All your brain cells were nanobots. Hey. And they're run by, what was the company we talked about in the show? Midroll? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, you're having a great time and then ads just start. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, and, and and I think it's it's like it's funny to think about, but at the same time, I think there's there's companies that would jump on that in a heartbeat. They're already doing research on how can we transmit advertisements into people's dreams. That's already a thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, you know. So, whew. yeah, I mean, that's that that yeah that that aspect of it scares the shit out of me, and that's why I'm I'm very trepidatious. Is is that the word I want to use? Uh, I'm I'm very you know cautious. Mm-hmm. in when you know when talking about that but i do think it's going to be a thing and i also you know i'll say this i don't really want it to be like i want it to be chemical not technological and what i mean by that is is i don't want to upload my brain into a computer uh because i think there are a lot of aspects and when we get into talking about like working out and all this we talk about muscle memory and a lot of these different aspects perhaps um i think there's a lot of sensory abilities that the fleshy the flesh bag human has yeah. that are not a part of just straight consciousness or straight, you know, the brain, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a lot more that goes on that makes us human. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and, and that, that gives us empathy and a lot of the wonderful things, you know, that, that at least in my opinion, that makes us humans. Uh, you know, I kind of worry that you get uploaded to a computer and you literally become the cold machine. And that's not the experience I want to go into eternity with. Uh, you know, is is not having feeling and, you know, and, and all of this. I, I, I have genuine concerns about about that, uh, you, you know, so I don't want I, it to be technological. I do, too. And it's just it's hard to think outside of this perspective that I currently have, where one of the things that creates gra- or I think one of the most important things that creates gratitude and appreciation is scarcity. Yeah, sure. You know, okay. yeah. So well, what does life what does life mean in that in that situation? You know, it's it's like I feel like so many times things have happened and people didn't foresee their their implications as far as like on the human psychological experience. Yeah. So I just like some people are like, yeah, absolutely. I would love that. And I just feel I I just want to kind of clarify why I'm way more apprehensive about that. No, I yeah, I understand. And that, you know, at some point, actually, I'd love to have that conversation about Mm -hmm. scarcity versus perhaps. Uh, a term that makes some people bristle, and I understand why, is something like post-scarcity. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, what happens when you don't... I mean, because there's examples of what a uh, an evolutionary timeline looks like and when, when it branches off to, say, a group that doesn't have scarcity and a group that does. You know, you think chimpanzees and bonobos uh, is to where they're pretty much on opposite sides of the Congo River, and one of them has plenty the other does not and the interesting thing is that the chimpanzees had to invent tools the bonobos didn't really invent tools you, you know because they they can just pick whatever fruit they care to or you know whatever they happen to want to eat I, I don't necessarily know that they eat fruits so that's a huge conversation i think to have and we will have that at some point cool yeah i love that yeah so anyway so you know if you want to live forever or at least if you want the choice or the option to live as long as possible in this life a great way to go about doing that of course is to have mental fortitude which uh, school sucks you know is a huge part in my opinion of building up mental fortitude you know with uh, critical thinking uh, and all of this but then you know there's the physical side too and in fact I, I sometimes and you know I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on this Brett uh, there's the idea that kind of you know your mental health can be expressed in your physical health and maybe even vice versa. Maybe. Um, but I mean, how do you know when you hear that? I'm curious, what do you think? Well, I think, sure, your mental health can definitely be expressed in, in your physical health mm-hmm. um, because how you treat your physical being has, I think, a lot to do with how you feel about your total being. Sure. You know, 
Um, it's it's like the difference between you know, like, well, uh, this is a rental car, or <laughs> this is my dream car, <laughs> right? Right. You know, uh, and and you would you would treat the two very differently, and and so I think your body is a good projection of you know what's happening inside your mind. Now to to flip that around, your that was your physical health projecting your, your mental health, right? Your mental health showing up in your physical, no. The other way around. That's right. Physical health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be, that that would be more of a causal relationship that if you take care of yourself physically, you'll feel better. I mean, I never had an experience in my life. I mean, you know, I was an out of shape kid. I got picked on for that and, you know, spent most of my college years uh, like drinking alcohol and doing Mm. drugs. So was not treating myself well. And obviously that was indicative of, um, more psychological and spiritual, if you will, type problems. Right. Um, Ever since I turned that around when I was about 20 years old, and there's been, you know, a few slips where I get away from the gym or, you know, start making not so life-serving choices um, in the past, you know, 20 years of my life. But I can't ever remember a time where I was taking good care of myself physically and felt bad about it. Yeah, well, you know? that's a great, I mean, that's just a, such a simple and great point, yeah. uh, you know, to really bring up. Um, I mean, and you're a guy that's in fantastic shape, in my opinion. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I mean, and I, I know you, uh, lately, you've been working with kettlebells and all that, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that conversation. Um, you know, I, I do want to speak to, you know, I always feel like working out, I mean, diet's a big deal, too, and we want to get into that. But I always feel like working out, like, really, really centers me on reality in so many ways. Uh, Just the fact of the gravity, the literal gravity of lifting weights. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you cannot ignore reality, you know, when you're when you're working out. Uh, And yeah, it it, I just it brings so much focus to me. uh, And and yeah, it, it. it, I don't know. It feels very centering. Does do you feel that way when you work out? Yeah, it's a it's a really good uh, mindfulness type, yeah. type exercise. Sure. Um, and with the kettlebells, I I found just in the last like four or five months. Uh, full disclosure: I haven't done anything in the last month. Things have just been very hectic, yeah. and I've been traveling a lot. So yeah. my routine is I haven't um, really done much besides like walking. Like I I I have a Fitbit, which is great because it reminds me to walk get a walk like, yeah. where was i before technology i didn't know how to do anything but now i have this and i walk it's there you go. amazing you know? right um so the fitbit having this thing on my wrist and you know turning it and it'll show me the time and if i press it again it'll show me how many steps i've walked today sure so i try to get ten thousand a day and this is a great reminder if i don't have this on so this has actually been a kind of habit building thing um I've just been walking. I haven't been working out as much because my schedule has been very hectic. I've been traveling a lot. I'm off my routine. Yeah. Um, But for the six months or so before that, it was a lot of kettlebell work. Now, kettlebells, uh, I would say like the the hierarchy as far as balance is concerned would be kettlebells, free weights, machines. Machines incorporate almost no balance or or even like calisthenics would Mm -hmm. probably be somewhere between free weights and kettlebells. Um, But anything that you can do that is like uh, challenging balance wise I find is really, really helpful uh, mentally. Like yeah. it, it, has a, it has a sharpening effect. And, and you don't know it, notice it right away. But I, I even started um, you know, just doing things like if I was waiting for coffee to brew, just standing on one leg and sure. saying, oh, my balance sucks. You yep. know? And, and just doing that you know, day after day and finding my balance actually improves. And that, that plays a role neurologically. Right. So fitness does affect you mentally, not just in how you feel, but also, um, and and this you know results may vary, and it does take time, but also even in clarity and efficiency. Yeah, and acuity. Of thought. Sure. Yeah. I- exactly. Um, so so anything that's like novel activity is great. Balance activities are great, and and kettlebells have uh, been really good for both of those things. You know, yeah. novelty because there there's just an endless amount of of kettlebell kettlebell exercises you can do, and there's a lot of variety even within certain types of exercises. Like there's like you know ten different ways to do deadlifts with kettlebells. Right. You know, one hand, two hand, one foot, two feet, you know, <laughs> like all kinds of things. Um, so and and I guess this is true with any aspect of fitness, but the the with kettlebells, this has been the most excite exciting. Mm-hmm. You have endless variability with your routines, right? You know, like I've probably done in six months, 
um, a hundred variations of like two or three basic workouts. Sure. It's very conducive to the imagination. I mean, you can be super creative. Yeah. And the other thing too with kettlebells is you're not really, the primary goal I don't think is to build muscles. You know, kettlebells are not really ideal for that. So now this is a conversation you and I were having because yeah. I, I did, I used kettlebells for, I don't know, like three, four months. Like I tried it out to, to see how that went. Um, I mean, interspersed with some other stuff, but I wasn't myself, I wasn't really pleased like with the results because like you said, it's not really great for building muscle. And that's sort of the direction that I was, you know, that I was, or that is the direction I was going in. Uh, so I didn't like, it felt good. I agree with you. Like, and I love the creativity of it being able to, you know, maybe even like do a little toss and grab and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it becomes fun. Like it's almost like move nat with weights, you know, uh, it's, it is really exciting. Um, but yeah, I agree that, that pay attention to the goals. So yeah, continue. And I mean, with kettlebells too, paying attention to form is sure because this is like a most things that you would do in a gym are like as long as you know the movement uh they're fairly low risk if right. you're you know healthy yep um and you don't have i mean obviously everybody's different and you don't have like a history of previous you know back neck injuries stuff like that sure shoulders um kettlebells are much more complex movements so it's not where i would suggest somebody would start uh-huh. you know i i would say you would probably want to have a uh, a kind of base of muscle to build and i mean unless now i would say even if you're using like 10 or 15 pound kettlebells it's not the place to start because yeah. there's lots of jerking types of movements yep. lots of very fast movements like you want to learn how to do things that you can do in a slow, controlled way, and that's not what kettlebells offer. It's not that style of of lifting. Yeah. So it's it's I would say anytime I see something like beginner kettlebell workout, kettlebell workout for fitness beginners, I would run from that. You know? <laughs> sure. Um, there's such a thing as like you're beginning with kettlebells. Here's a workout. Okay. Yeah. Um, but starting fitness with them, not the best idea. Right. Right. So I mean. You can obviously get some strength gains or probably more appropriately strength maintenance with kettlebells. Yeah. The kettlebells are more about conditioning sure. than, than anything. Uh, and they're also, because of the nature of the workouts, you know, you don't rest like you do reps in the gym with like dumbbells, like a bench press. Most kettlebell routines work differently and they really lend themselves to doing like circuits where you're just kind of going from one exercise to the next. Or high intensity. Right? High intensity. Hit, yeah. Um, hit. Well, let's see. Yeah. Uh, so an example of like a hit, H-I-I-T, high intensity impact training. Interval right? training. Interval training. Yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, I would do like a five minute circuit where I would, you know, start by uh, doing kettlebell swings and sure. then like kettlebell around the bodies and then like kettlebell jerks over my head or snatch over my head and then uh, deadlifts and just doing them each for like, uh, you know, 30 seconds and then resting 10 seconds and then 30 seconds and then resting 10 seconds and do that for like six minutes. Right. And then stop. Uh, and wait a couple minutes and then do it again. And, you know, maybe until I've done the whole thing like five times. Sure. They're really good for stuff like that because, you know, you don't have to like switch equipment. If you just find the right weight kettlebell, you can do the whole thing with one kettlebell. Right. You know? Yeah. So, okay. So this is going to be a pretty loose conversation overall. I mean, we're just going to kind of like toss stuff out there, you know, as, as it comes. Um, so yeah, so I mean that I think that's a pretty good introduction to kettlebells in general because it's kind of a hot thing right now. It really it is. is. Yeah, and as long as people just recognize that you really don't just start swinging these things around, like really do it in front of a mirror, watch videos. If you can have a trainer, that's something that a lot of kettlebell experts recommend, like have somebody actually there watching you. Yeah. Even if you don't pay a trainer, like find a buddy you know, who knows yep. what they're doing. Just it's help impossible. you with form. Yeah. yeah. Cause form is really important. I'm fortunately haven't hurt myself yet. Yeah. Right. But on. I was sure I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, part of that is, is, you know, I, you have a foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the same with me. Like when I started doing kettlebells, you know, I, I had a foundation that I was already, you know, in a routine using dumbbells and all that. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, my question to you is then, like, where where should people start? Like, I remember there was a, and I, I recommend everybody read this book. Uh, it's Arnold's, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, first um, 
autobiography that he did because yeah. he did another one a few years ago called Total Recall. But his first one was called Education of a Bodybuilder. And at the end of it, he gives you workout routines and everything. And he he starts off, he says, look, for six months, you're not going to touch any weights. He said, this is what you're, you know, these are the exercises you're going to do. And I thought it was actually a really good way to build a foundation. You know, I mean, I don't know if you have to spend six months that way. Uh, but, you know, I appreciated his point that before you even hit the weights, you've got to get yourself to a certain level. Um, I mean, is there like a certain level? Like, was there something for you or is there something, you know, that you recommend? Or Yeah, well, I'll I think I'll give some good general advice. And it's not my advice. It sure. comes from um, an integrative health coach. He's a friend of mine. His name's Kevin Geary. He's on he's been on my show a bunch in the past. Yep. Um, and he has talked about, you know, one of the, uh, one successful route is identifying things that you love to do and doing those things. Mm -hmm. So when you ask where to start, it depends on where you are. Good point. You know, if you don't move at all, it would be good to, you know, make an inventory of maybe three things you'd like to do. Maybe yeah. tennis is one of them. Maybe, uh, you know, fast. I mean, walking should be part of everybody's routine. And, and I would say if you're doing nothing, just start trying to walk. 7,000 steps a day, then try 8,000, 9,000. I mean, if you are fairly like on the move, kind of you have places to go, you have things to do. If you add a 45 minute walk, brisk walk, yeah, that is going to get you to 10,000 steps. Yeah. If you are a very, very sedentary person, it might be like two 45 minute walks a day if you want to get up over 8,000 steps. Right. But becoming conscious of how much your body moves versus sits I think is a is a good place for for most people to start if they have completely non-active lifestyles. Sure. And if they can be successful with that, then it would be like, all right, what's a more intense activity? Um, I think the greatest thing you can possibly do is play racquetball. It's like the most fun oh, you can have. Oh yeah. That'll know, get you sweating. Yeah, it it is it is and but it's it's like kettlebells in that it's so it's fun in a way that you don't notice how it's exhausting you. Yeah. But it also, it's a lot of like fast movements, really rapid change of direction, body moving in unorthodox ways. So whatever you do, get moving first. And then if you're interested in changing the way you look and feel um, and, and setting goals along those lines, I would say that like calisthenics, like body, body weight exercises yep. is a really good way to start. I went from an overweight, um, heavy drinking, smoking, 20-year-old slob to being 21 and fit in a matter of, I think it took like four months to really transform the way my whole body looked. Just sure. doing uh, calisthenic type exercises in a, in a half hour circuit. So, and then, now remember, I was 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So I'm young and my body was fairly resilient, but I would just, you know, run in place for a couple minutes and then I'd do push ups for a minute and then squats for a minute and then like lunges and then dips. And maybe it was a circuit of a total of 10 exercises mm -hmm. that would take me a half an hour to complete. Yeah. With very little minimal rest in between. Um, and that was a good way to experience different types of movements to, start having my muscles do the work that they're supposed to do. They're not always natural movements. Mm -hmm. um, I think incorporating natural movement would be a great thing as well. Like this is the way your body is actually supposed to move. Yeah. If you've got the room to do that, you know, like there's that, that it's called move net, right? Moving naturally is what it's called. Yeah. I mean like that, that gets taken to various extremes on how people, you know, put that into play. But the idea of, yeah, moving how your body, you know, really does move is uh, that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would do things like I'd go out and run through the woods as fast as I could. Right. Which Hell is, yeah. you know, people could be like, that's insane and crazy. But I feel like it's something that my body was designed for. Yep. Um, humans are, I think humans are more designed to run um, quickly over short bursts than kind of paced over really long uh, stretches. Sure. You know, uh, then some Greek guy said, well, I could run 26 miles. And then everybody thought. That <laughs> You're right. A lot of people died and pissed themselves along the way. But Jim fix. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <That was> um, <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I just go out and I just try to run straight through the woods and avoid obstacles, which is like a lot of quick movements and, yeah. and stuff like that, just just for novel movement. So so natural movements are, are very good. And I think you can get more of those with kettlebells and bodyweight exercises than you actually can with the, within the restrictions of a gym yeah. where you hold a bar like this and you curl it up. Like there's never going right. to be any reason for you to. <laughs> you know, do this yeah. or do this, you know, like overhead tricep extension or something or a bench press. Yeah. You know, this kind of leads into an interesting point um, that I think when you do start hitting the weights, I'm actually, I'm a much bigger fan of uh, dumbbells instead of barbells, you know, like, like instead of just like the one bar, I mean, there's, I guess you really can never replace, you know, a, a good old classic, you know, bench press. Right. But the, I don't know, like kind of the balance you were talking about earlier. Like, I, I feel like there's just there's a lot more there's a lot more build, a lot more strength that gets developed when you are using very free weights instead of something that's on a machine. So, you know what I mean? Like, like when you're when you're lifting it up, I mean, form is so important. But I, I guess I just I feel like there it's not so the movement's not so mechanized, sort of like what you're talking about. And, and just when you're really dealing with free weights, I. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it, it has a greater, uh, greater payout in a shorter period of time because you're dealing with that. I mean, even maybe that kind of shaky resistance when you're, when you're lifting it up, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because it like one thing that was weird, I I've used machines for like a bench press where like the, the, you know, the bar is literally on a track. Yeah. And while I see the benefit to that, because maybe you don't need somebody to spot you or something. That's why I would use them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I feel like, well, you're, I, I don't know, like, like it seems a little too controlling. It just it just doesn't feel the same as when you're, you know, really doing whatever it takes kind of to get it up there. As important as, as form is, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, there, there are machines that are better and machines that are worse for that. There's sure. the hammer strength machines that are a little bit better at at trying to replicate natural movement but right or the, or the is that where like you're you're with a pulley and you're or uh, a hammer strength machine is usually like where where the two sides if you're doing like something the two sides are independent of oh, one another okay. yeah 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 um and i think dumbbells are great because it recruits you know stabilizing yes, muscles exactly. and i've also found that being able to do things like one arm at a time or one side at a time uh helps you really focus on what you're doing and feel um, that, you know, the tension in, in the muscle, you can feel the stretch, you can feel the extension. Right. Um, and it, again, it, it helps with that mindfulness aspect of it. So kettlebells again are great for that, but dumbbells obviously. Yeah. They, they, they do similar. They, they do the same thing. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, in the gym, I always favored variety. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I would use dumbbells whenever I could, but every once in a while, I jump on a machine or use the barbell. It depends on what I was doing. I mean, there's some things you need the barbell for, like if you're into deadlifting. Yeah. The only the barbell. That's all you've got. Is, yeah. It's the only vehicle for the weight yep. uh, that you want to do if you're serious about, about deadlifting. So everything in the gym is potentially useful from time to time. Sure. Um, well, let me ask you that. I mean, how important do you think that variety is? I mean, yeah, you know, there's kind of the novelty aspect, certainly, that that can make it exciting and thus, you know, kind of incentivize you perhaps sure. to, to do it. But I mean, like, do you really think because I've kind of seesawed on this, like a part of me sort of feels like really there are only so many motions that you can do, you know, that that are at least I mean, it, again, everything depends on what your goals are. You know, are you trying to look like a bodybuilder or are you just trying to get stronger? You know, like what what, what are you shooting for? Of course. But I mean, do, what 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 level of importance would you put variety on um for the motivational level i would say it's yeah. it's very important sure. and i really probably never considered it or or even evaluated its usefulness beyond that uh -huh. um so uh the the thing that i've done most consistently since 2013 has been called dog crap training dog crap named after a guy named dog crap that's why it's called that. <laughs> they usually call it DC training. So it's just some guy. His name was Dante Trudell, and in the bodybuilding forums, like back in the day, okay, he used the his username was Dog Crap. So this became known as <laughs> Dog Crap training. It might have they call it DC training, so people don't have to tangent into the story I just told. Sure uh, about Dog Crap. <laughs> yeah, but um, Dog Crap is a very low volume but higher frequency kind of split training than. 
Um, typical, you know, on Monday, do chest, shoulders, triceps. On Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday, do back biceps on Friday do legs you know those are split routines where right. you're you know doing certain and now some people will do a five-day split where they just do a little less each day um, which I was which was something I was in favor of you know I would go to the gym five days a week and like chest one day back one day arms the next day shoulders and yeah. legs five days uh, and maybe do like a little bit of abs each day um, but with dog crap you just do two workouts right so you do Monday and then Wednesday. So that's workout one on Monday, workout two on Wednesday, and then repeat workout one on Friday. So you're only working out these three days of the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you're only alternating between these two workouts. The first workout is in this order, chest, delts, triceps, back width, which is something like a pull-up, mm -hmm. and then back thickness, which is something like a deadlift or a row. Right. The next workout is in this seemingly crazy order biceps forearms calves hamstrings quads that is crazy okay so finishing with quads like most people would think on a leg workout you would start with quads right but the way you do quads or your your upper leg muscles the front upper leg muscles is so intense that if you started with it you would be too drained to really nah. you need to and to everything else so you're actually doing the most intensive movements or the, potentially the heaviest movements last in each workout. Now, when you talk about doing, because five body parts is a lot to do in a day, but you only do one exercise per body part. So for chest, what you would do is you'd set up like a bench press. You would put on a weight that you could do eight times and you would pump it out eight times. Then you would rack the bar, you wait 20 seconds and you unrack it and do it again. Mm. Now maybe you'll get four. Right. And so you then you rack the bar and you wait again 20 seconds and you do it again. And maybe you get two. Mm. And you're done with that body part until Friday if it's Monday. Okay. You know? Yeah. So this is very low volume. I mean, some people who do these split routines are doing like nine sets per body part, like three different exercises per body part. I never saw such amazing results in, in you know, my strength. Like my, the amount that I was deadlifting almost doubled in like a year and a half. Using dog crap. Using dog crap training. That's amazing. Um, I was, you know, I used to do like the dumbbell. I'm just trying to think of like numbers that would be useful to people. Like dumbbell overhead presses. I was using like 50 pounds yep. when I started doing this. I was using 80 when I was done. Wow. It was just amazing. Like, and, and like my body, so I'm not a big guy. Like my, I don't have a big bone structure mm -hmm. and I'm just like, you know, there's a genetic component to this. I'm only ever going to be so big. Sure. Uh, the most I ever weighed was like maybe 205 pounds, like in really good shape, but mm -hmm. that's not, I don't want to weigh anywhere near that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I should sure. weigh 170 pounds. I'm five foot 10. Fair. So, um, but the strengths even like I was surprised when I looked at myself how strong I was. Um, and, and this is only one type of strength, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it only really applies to these movements. Right. I mean, it's useful in other ways, but it's not really functional strength. But I felt, you know, very fit and strong doing this. It's the strongest I've ever been in, in my life. Um, but also like balancing a workout like that with other types of movement. So you're useful physically. I yeah, think yeah, is, yeah. Is important. yeah. Right. So Functional. you, you want to make sure you're maintaining a strong core, which is the, you know, the core of being able to make use of your muscles in other areas. Yeah. Um, how, like how did that work for you as far as like mass? I mean, did it show like, I mean, because strength doesn't always have to show, it, but, but well, that was like, I was big. Uh, and I, I remember the girl I was dating at the time saying, like, you you, you need to, like, kind of rein it in here. Like, this <laughs> it's is like that. Yeah. yeah. She said, this is, like, kind of the limit of what's attractive. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is <laughs> nice. Her honesty was appreciated. Yeah. This was a few years. So this was only, like, a few years ago. And um, I have actually lost a lot of muscle mass mm. just in the last six months, probably really in the last month from not doing much of anything. Sure. Right. Right. But kettlebells were uh, like a net mass reduction because it's more um, fat burning right. than muscle building. Right, right, right. Now it's conditioning, you know, like I felt like I was still fairly lean, but um, I lost muscle by not doing that dog crap 
work out anymore. But somebody who has just done like bodyweight exercises, they might pick up a pair of kettlebells if they think they're ready and find that they're actually building muscle. It's just that what I was doing before kettlebells was so intensely, you know, directed towards muscle building. Right. That any that stopping that could only mean a reduction. There was no way I was yeah, going to go up from there. Sure, there was you negative know? returns at that point. Exactly. But yeah, okay. No, that that's that's all pretty fair. So but your question was about variety that I tangented yes. into that. So dog crap was even though it's just these two workouts, you want to create three versions of each workout. So, you know, one chest workout might be the bench press, but the next one should be, I mean, really the only mass building exercise for chest is bench press, like flies or like, uh, what do they call it? The pec deck, those yeah. where you hold your arms out and pull them together. Like those aren't really, those are more like shaping and toning exercises. So you have to be pressing something heavy off your chest to, to build it. So you could do a machine, you could do the barbell, you could do dumbbells, or you could do them on an incline, you could do it on a decline, you could do it flat. So there's like, you know, you, you mix and match those things and you've got nine or 10 variations right there. Right. So I think that that's good for, like I said, the motivation part of it, but it is also good to, I mean, if you did the same thing like four or five times in a row, I think your body would just be used to it. So the only thing, the the other part of dog crap was you also have to be getting, um, uh, it had a, they have a bodybuilding name for it, but you have to be using more weight every time. Right. Okay. Right. So, uh, that was part of the good thing about variety is, you know, you would do something once and then the next two workouts, you would do something else. And then the, the on the third workout, when you came back to that thing, you would ha- you wouldn't have done it in like a little over a week and you would try to do it with more weight, you know, properly, properly rested. And sometimes I could and sometimes I couldn't. But you always wanted to be making that, you know, adding uh, th- those those positive gains in what you're trying to do. And that's really how you build muscle. If that's your goal. Sure. Is adding weight. Yeah. You know, I'm going to look into this dog crap training. I mean, seriously, that sounds, I dig it. You know, Unfortunately, I like it could only be done. You you have a beautiful home gym here. Oh yeah. Yeah. But this could only be done. I think in a gym. It needs. Re- yeah. Well, that's something Yeah, I'm thinking about going for anyway. So, all right. Well, yeah, I dig all that. Why don't we take, I don't want this to go too long. So why don't we take a few minutes and just kind of talk about diet? Now, I think diet wise, we're fairly similar. Uh, We both kind of follow, say, maybe the paleo diet or something along those lines, low carb, at least. Um, I mean, where, 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 like, what does your diet look like? Is it something that's just tailored for you or is it something you'd be, you'd recommend to others? Um, Well, I would certainly recommend with, Hard to, it's hard to say don't do anything unless a doctor checks you out nah. first, but also doctors mostly don't know anything about. So anything that I told you nutrition-wise to do, a doctor would say, I don't know what that guy's talking about. <laughs> Look, we made this pyramid here. You see this yeah. pyramid? This is like most of you want to, this is bread and donuts. Right. Uh, no, don't do donuts. Fit in here, but don't eat donuts. Eat bread. Yeah, which, you know, by the way, there's that, I, I forget what the term is they're using for it, but there's a huge scandal now because My now food plate? Uh, well, Dot just, gov? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the idea that, you know, this, this fat-free diet and all that is total bullshit. And it was paid off Harvard professors and everything that effectively yeah, yeah. created it. Like, it's the whole fat-free movement that has been the staple of, quote-unquote, the American diet, yeah. or many diets around the world, ends up being just nonsense. Uh, like it, it doesn't really have the returns and, and whatever else that, that they were saying. Um, so yeah, s- saying, you know, talking to your doctor, well, what do they know? You know, they've been That's schlepping true. this shit forever. So I, it's hard for me to say you should do what I do because, right. you know, I mean, there's people like Dave Asprey who, who have done that, you Ooh. know, the bulletproof guy and microtoxins. Yeah. People haven't gotten the best results necessarily. So, um, I would say that there, for anybody eating the standard American diet, there's something better. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I've done experiments with uh, being close to a vegetarian diet and mm-hmm. was happy with how I looked and felt and, and even performed. Um, and then I've done, you know, like really, really high fat, like where almost 80% or more of my calories were coming from fat. And um, also felt fine. I mean, that's effectively, I mean, that's keto straight up at that point, wouldn't it be? Or <laughs> Yeah. Um, I found, and, and again, my friend Kevin actually helped me out with this, uh, that 
my levels of anxiety were higher the lower carb my diet was mm. because uh, a low carb diet is real like a super low carb diet in in keto would be uh more of a temporary thing than a lifestyle and i think you guys have maybe even found that like i know when i met stephanie like five or six years ago she wouldn't um yeah carbs for nothing no i, I no, but i remember like something she wouldn't there was something that I thought was like very low carb and it was like she wouldn't eat it. I think it's like, your low carb pitas. Oh yeah, maybe it was something yeah, like that. I was I like, remember you won't that. eat that? Yeah. <laughs> but that's hardly any. Yeah. So so Stephanie had like a really, really low carb diet and she's probably you guys have probably gone up a little bit since then, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've And and I have too. Like I remember because I was dating a girl like five years ago who was like the the low carb um uh, and even was kind of like a wizard with like low carb desserts, but we would eat them. And then I just got fat. Nah. I remember getting on a scale one day and I weighed 205 pounds and not the good pounds not the that good I pounds. spoke of before. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just like really bloated with no sugar, um, no flour, uh, no bad fat. But I was just eating so many calories compared to my level of physical activity because I wasn't walking and might not have even been working out that much. Right. That I had just ballooned um, <clears throat> to a really what what for me was an unhealthy weight. So I actually found that I feel better as far as like my stress and anxiety levels are concerned if I have more carbs in my diet because I'm not putting an additional stressor on myself physically. Sure. I right? think that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. So these low carb diets might be six to eight week experiments that right. people could try if they have a lot of fat to lose. And we, I think we watched a lot of people who were overweight, like here in New Hampshire, this, this was like a big diet craze five or six years ago. Yes. Paleo was a big deal. Lots here. of people did just, or even just the low carb diet. Yeah. Right. You know, like paleo, would be euphemistic for what they would do. It's like, look, I just eat this plate of sausages, you know? And <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's right. So um, people lost weight, but they didn't get into great shape. Right. They lost a bunch of fat. Um, but then getting into great shape meant, you know, something else. And a lot of the time it meant putting some of the carbs back, back into the diet. Sure. Um, so I don't even, I, I never, I wouldn't have thought I would have said this four years ago, but I don't even pay much attention to carbs anymore. Interesting. Well, no, that's, that's totally great to bring up. I mean, in my opinion. But the thing is, is that after eating that way for four or five years, there's some things that just really aren't on the menu anymore. Like I remember I was starving. I was on my way back, uh, up here from, uh, where, where I grew up and the only p place was Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> And I just stood there for like 10 minutes looking at donuts. And I, and I was like, I just can't. Can't do it. I just can't. I just can't. I'm starving, but. I just can't. <laughs> now, I did eat bread. I got a flat bread sandwich, which is slightly better than, but I went there and I said, I don't give a fuck. I'm getting donuts. I'm going to get a dozen, <laughs> half a dozen donuts. I'm going to get half a dozen donuts and eat them. Yeah. And when I got there and I was face to face with the donuts, I was just like, no, I can't. It just has been kind of eliminated from my diet, certain types of foods. Now, I'll eat ice cream from time to time. Sure. But like a sub, I just couldn't imagine uh, of like a regular pizza, uh, those calzone. Like there are just things that I, I've kind of cleansed myself of eating yeah. from being low carb. So when I start adding carbs back in, it's more fruit, sweet potatoes, um, full fat yogurt actually has a, a fair amount of carbohydrates in it. Um, where else? I mean, I'll eat like gluten-free things sure. that have carbs, you know, because yeah. they're usually, I'll eat rice. So I don't, I'll eat, once in a while I'll eat corn chips. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, one thing I've noticed with any diet is, or like any fad diet or any diet that comes around, uh, is that really what it all, st like what the book say that you buy about how to do this diet or something, what it starts off with is get away from processed foods, you yeah. know? And 
I think that's in many ways, that's kind of the answer. That's why so many people see results at first whenever they go on whatever diet it happens to be South Beach or some bullshit, you know, is because they got away from those really, you know, crazily just, you know, processed foods. And so I, I think that's really kind of the, the key aspect more than anything else. Everything else is kind of, you know, it comes down to what you feel. I think I mean, I think it's true that people do eat way too many carbs. You know, that doesn't mean you need to wipe them out completely by any means. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think all of that was really fair to say. That's an interesting perspective. That's not one I've really, really heard before. Uh, so that was good. Well, it's an interesting crossover to fitness too, from there, because working out and like challenging yourself physically will tell you a lot about your diet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it will tell you if you need to be doing things differently. Because yeah. Because if there are like, you know, if you're, let's say, I don't know your exact age demographic, but it, maybe you don't have one. But if you're in your 30s or your 20s and like some pretty simple physical tasks are surprisingly challenging, <laughs> you know, I mean, that 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 would be an indication that, that things need to change. And obviously, there's other lifestyle considerations as well, like alcohol, sure. uh, tobacco use, um, sleep. Yeah. Sleep is a huge third calculation in wellness. Yeah. You know, Um but trying to, you know, adjust those three things uh, until you find some kind of equilibrium, it, it's, it can be a frustrating and an ongoing process. But in the beginning, it's just it, it's really important to start just making some effort in all. You're, you're better off just doing something. Yes. Um, in all three of those areas, trying to improve, improve your sleep, trying to improve your diet and trying to improve your level of uh, physical fitness and movement. And and I've so many times I've just been saying, well, you know, uh, I've, I've caught myself saying, ah, I'm out of the fitness thing for a couple of weeks. It's happening to me right now. Uh -huh. Like if I'm not taking care of myself physically, I'm much more likely to eat shittily. Yes. You know? Yeah, right. I am I'm much more likely to bake. This is, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts is in this inactivity era, the Dunkin' Donuts incident, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So getting those and then when those two things are uh, aligned better, sleep becomes more of a priority. Yeah, because I, I have I've started to notice that sleep affects physical performance sure. and appetite. Sure. So um, I feel like. There's oh, lost it. Oh, so go on. I, there was one more. There was there was kind of an important way to tie that together, but. Uh, go ahead. Maybe I'll think of it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah. So I, I agree with all of that. Like sleep is so key. Diet is so key. Diet, in fact, I'd argue, and you can tell me if you disagree, but like diet's like 80% of it as far as fitness goes. Or I mean, it, it's very high. Like it seems to be almost the more important thing maybe than than even, you know, the workouts and whatever else. Uh, diet is just super, super key to being healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, but but again, those workouts are still important to me. You know, sleep, I think, is still important. That's one I've definitely got to work on because, like, I only how, – how, how much do you sleep generally, like a night? Seven hours. Seven, yeah, okay. So I'm the same. I'm like six, seven, somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, I used to feel like I did fine with six, but now um, – I mean, I go to bed at, like, 8.45 now. Jesus Christ, when do you wake up? <laughs> Five. Wow, man. I, I come and go with uh, my girlfriend, and she's in, Fair. she's in school, so she's – at. You know, in clinical at Dartmouth right now. Yeah. So. All right. No, that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's all pretty. That's I think that that gives a pretty good range of where to start. I totally agree that just do something. And it, even if it's not like a long amount of time that you can spend, do something. I think the kettlebells thing is interesting because you can kind of do that anywhere, like even in an apartment. You know, I think you could get away with, you know, a, a small apartment. Mm -hmm. You could get away with doing kettlebells. So that's that's something that works in, in varying degrees of living conditions and all this. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is pretty good. I, I think it's a kind of kind of a good starter pack of sorts. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to getting into fitness and just, you know, changing up your diet and, and, and building the foundation and all that. I think yeah, there has to be motivation and then just don't don't do things with the expectation that anything you read or anything that somebody else swears by is going to work for you. Yeah. You know, like transitioning to working out with kettlebells at home was a real shakeup for me because I had always used the gym as an anchor 
of, okay, now it's time to go to the gym. It was part of your motivation. It was part of the motivation to get in the car and go to the gym. It was that ceremony of it was very, very important to me. Working out at home, it never worked. I couldn't, I just basically decided I didn't want to bring my kettlebells to the gym and pay for a gym membership (laughs) or something I could do at home. Um, So... There's got to be the reason why I say just start doing something is because whatever somebody starts doing in the beginning, uh, and that's kind of who I guess we're targeting this towards or this statement towards anyway. Yeah, there's going to need to be a lot of experimentation. Yes. You know, yeah, I think that's that's such a key takeaway and kind of a good point to end on is that regardless of what anybody says, what you or I say, you know, to people and recommend to people or whatever, or, you know, and what level you're at, there's just always, you're always going to be guinea pigging yourself. You know, you're always going to be experimenting with what works for you. You know, everybody is very much different and yeah, it's all different paths. You actually, when you said piggy, Pig. <laughs> guinea pig you reminded me of the other thing this this Do is the it. important thing and this again i'm stealing this from my friend kevin who does the rebooted body the piggy bank philosophy of fitness is the idea that like why wouldn't you just make a deposit every day yeah yeah you know? i like, like that. what if you only have six cents do you just throw it away and say oh, i'll put money in when i have a dollar right you know so you can't i can't have my dream diet and my dream fitness plan but why wouldn't i just like try to eat right today and try to get some steps in yes. today and maybe move a little bit today like it's all just positive and and if you get into the positive that allows you to feel better about you know the occasional ben and jerry's withdrawal yeah that you need to, you might need to make yeah, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> not that if you're having Ben and Jerry's withdrawal, yeah, go to a treatment center. But <laughs> the, the by withdrawal, I mean like sometimes you need to take away from the positive, and the, and if you're if you're adding to the positive, that's okay. So that was really great uh, advice because it, for for so many people, I think it's it's really all or nothing, right? So that was really helpful what he said about just thinking about keep adding to good the the get you know. There's accumulation here, yeah. good and bad. So yeah, yeah. always work for the for the better uh, for the side of good. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be all or nothing. I, exactly. That, that that is that is a solid point. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Brett, for being on my pleasure. Uh, this little episode. I thought this was great. Uh, got a little little. Uh, I guess you could say philosophical. We, we went in the far range in the beginning and then, uh, yeah, I think just some great tips overall. So I hope everybody took notes, uh, and thank you to everyone for being, uh, for listening to this, for being a Patreon subscriber, you definitely make sovereign tech or you help it go round and round. So I can't appreciate that enough. Uh, anyway, we'll have to talk more about this at some point. Brett. Indeed. I, I would love that. Yeah. I, I think this could be a little series that we could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that would be a lot of fun. So anyway, Carpe Lucem, everybody, I'll see you on the other side. for us.